You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. You will have come across this screen a few times now in our past couple weeks. And uh, we're just walking across rooms, aren't we? Walking across rooms. And so it's this whole thought process that each of us are called to reach the people that may not be in our comfort circle, they may not be in our little friendship circle of Christians, but actually could be just across the room in that restaurant, in that office that you work in, or in school, or university, or wherever you are, that we be people that walk across rooms. Now this morning we're going to start with some word association. And I want you, mostly we're all paired up with someone beside us, and so we're going to go through a few words, and I want you to say the one word that comes to mind as soon as you see this word, okay? Don't worry, Brexit isn't on, going to be on the list, okay? <laughs> okay, so we've got first one is Mona. Okay, next one is uh, Marmite. Yuck, yuck isn't a word. Yuck isn't a word, okay? Vacation, how about this one? Vacation. Diet. Or happy, sorry, happy, happy. I... Joy, okay. <laughs> Joycelyn, yeah, so that's Joycelyn Alexandra Dawes, yeah. Um, I think the next one is X Factor. No, it's diet. Diet. Okay. X Factor. No words, rubbish? Someone said <laughs> Okay, how about this one? Royalty. There we go. Royalty. All right, the queen. Someone said that, that was kind of the first one. Now, the last one, the last one um, is not actually one word, but it's born again Christian. Born again Christian. Okay, I want to stop here. What were some of the words that come to mind when you think of the word born-again Christian? Just speak them out. Freedom. Okay. Jesus. Salvation. Okay, you guys are all very holy, aren't you? See, weird. (laughs) Born-again Christian. So, now hopefully, hopefully, when we hear the word born-again Christian, now of course... As a church, we, we might all have a, a positive thought process about born-again Christians, hopefully, hopefully. But sometimes, if we were to do the same poll, same word association out on the street, we might get different responses other than, you know, Jesus and freedom and all those kind of really wonderful words we just came out with. We might have a word of narrow or rigid or uptight or uh, judgmental or self-righteous or hypocrites. Those might be some of the words we might might get, or if, if they've actually had some positive interactions with, with true believers of Christ, hopefully we would get more words like integrity, moral courage, compassion, kind, truth, caring, humble, honest, inclusive, well, uh, loving well. Hopefully those would be the thoughts that people out on the street would have of those who are followers of Jesus. You see, our lives and our actions either are pulling people closer to Jesus or they're completely turning them away from Jesus. But do you say that's true? You see, all of us, we have our actions and our words that are vehicles to point people to faith. Our, our actions and our words are the vehicle, it's the instrument that God uses to point people to faith. 
And so in the same way, we, what we say and what we do can either pull people or they can draw people away. And when he, people hear us talk about our faith in Christ, what message are they receiving from us? What, what are they experiencing as something that's clear, a passion for God, a real humility as we tell our story? Is it even interesting to listen to as you talk about your faith in Jesus? If you're ready to communicate like a walk across the room person, we're going to look at the first point. And the first point is this, that stories are powerful. Stories are powerful. In fact, if you, you look at the life of Jesus, how often did Jesus tell a story? Pretty much, you read through the Gospels. If you've read through the Gospels, which I hope you've done so, you'll see actually more cases than not, Jesus is teaching through stories. It's a story. It's Stories uh, are, are this vehicle that Jesus used all the time. They, they're words that people can connect with. Words have this incredible power when we, we, we are able to paint a picture of, of what God can do. Stories have this ability to, to change perspective. It's stories that communicate the truth of who God is. And when we look at, again, the Gospels, we see story after story of people coming to Jesus and, and, uh, and, and their lives are being restored. We have one example in the book of Mark and, and Jesus goes across the sea, and he comes to this demon-possessed man who is in a really bad way. In fact, I'll just read the first five verses. Uh, it's not going to be on the screen, so you're just going to have to listen. So Mark 5, verses 1 to 5, unless you've got your Bible with you. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus went, got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. The man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with chains. For he often, um, for he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons with his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. Wow, what a picture of this guy who's utterly controlled by the demonic forces of the enemy. And now Jesus comes along and he, he steps out of the boat and this demon-possessed guy comes out and meets Jesus. Now, probably not a pretty sight. This guy's living in tombs, not bathing, cutting himself, naked, very possessed. And I'm sure for most of the other guys with Jesus, thinking, hold on, have we got a situation going on here? If you were there, what would you think? Now, to paraphrase the rest of the story, this guy is dramatically delivered by God. And, and the, the, the demons that are in him are, are taken into the throne, are cast into the pigs. The pigs go and kill themselves as well. And, uh, the people in the region come to him once they realize actually all the pigs are, are gone. And they encourage Jesus to leave the area. Just please go. You've caused enough damage already. Um, and so they ask Jesus to leave. And when we pick up the story a little bit later in verse 18, it says, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed, begged to go with him. He wanted to go with Jesus. Suddenly, you can just imagine, this guy has been in isolation, out of control because of the enemy at work in his life. Suddenly, he walks into freedom, and he's begging to go with Jesus. Let, just let me come with you. But what is Jesus' response? Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell 
Nicopolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. What was the, the lesson to, to this man? He only has one encounter with Jesus, although a very dramatic encounter. He says, just go and tell the people what I've done for you. Just tell the story. Go tell the story. I, I, you could come with me and escape your world, but actually I want to send you back into your world. I, you're not to come away with me. You're actually to go back where you've come from and tell them how much I've done for you. Isn't that kind of the story that we've been talking about as a church this last little while? It's so easy to come to faith and we get, I just want to be in the boat with Jesus. I just, I don't want to be with my own people. I want to be where, where it's nice and safe. And actually Jesus says, no, I want you to go back to your people, back to where you've come from and tell what I've done for you. Now, what's interesting in this story is when we pick up the story a little bit later in Mark chapter seven, Jesus goes back to the, the capitalist. He goes to this area and actually there's now a crowd. You are bringing their sick and there's a crowd around Jesus at this point. It's amazing. This guy goes back and tells the people what Jesus has done for them. And when Jesus comes to town, there's a crowd waiting for him. Wow. He takes Jesus at his word and he does it. One person, just one person going and telling his story produces a crowd. Again, we looked even last week at, or a couple of weeks back with the Samaritan woman. She goes into town and says, look at what Jesus has done. Who, who she is. He's told me everything about my life. And that whole town comes out to hear what Jesus and Jesus says. And many people come to faith. The demon possessed man only communicated what the Lord had done for him. That's the only point is the point. When we point people to faith, we're communicating what Jesus has done for us. And if you can't communicate what Jesus has done for you, why should they put their faith in Jesus? What has Jesus done for you? What If you've come to faith, something hopefully has shifted in your life. It might be not as dramatic as this story of the demon-possessed man. Maybe it was. But surely every one of us, we've put our faith in Jesus and something has shifted in our lives. Something has changed. And that's the story people need to hear. You could quote scripture from the beginning to the end of the Bible, but it's the story of your life that has the power to change someone else's life. Amen. It's the story of what Jesus has done in your life. Stories are powerful when communicated well. And for stories to have the power to change and bring people to faith, they must be told and people must understand the point of the story. If your story is not understandable, then no matter how impassioned you are, people will walk away from that conversation thinking, I don't know what that person was on. Because that made no sense at all. Have you ever had that conversation with someone you think, I don't know what that person's on, but it's not very good. Christ followers, God has given us two stories to tell. There's two stories. If there's only, is there anything you remember from this message? There's two stories you need to know. Okay? Two stories. I want you to say two stories. Upstairs, two, two stories. Good. Not in the building, but okay. Sorry. God has given us. So the first one is God's story. God has a story and you and I must learn to tell it well. God has a story. So we have a story, but God has a story. So I'm going to start with the first story, which is God's story. Now, if we rewind from last week, we looked at this aspect of we walk across the room, boom, 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 boom. We see someone we don't know. We, we, we embrace them in this relationship, but we want to be careful not to put the cart in front of the horse, right? And so it's really important that we're not doing this in evangelism. 
So where we, where do we start? Last week we looked at this. We need to develop a friendship, right? We need to, to, to discover their stories. Where, where, where are they coming from in all of this? And we need to discern the next steps. And when we do all of this, it opens the door by God's grace for us to start telling the story of God. For us to begin to tell, unpackage. And so if we think through the process of the last three weeks we've looked at this, we need to walk outside our comfort zone and walk across the room and begin and engage in this relationship. We need to build a friendship. We need to understand their story. We need to discern what the Holy Spirit is saying. And when all of those things have happened, and when we're genuine and authentic and truly interested and loving the person we're engaged in this relationship with, and there's an open door, and now's this moment when they ask, why do you believe what you believe? Ah, ah, now we need to tell a story. Now we need to unpackage the story. And using an illustration can actually sometimes really help. And we watched this in the video uh, that we, we saw in this past week in our life groups. And there are many different ways of, of illustrating what, what Jesus has done, but the most simplistic ones I, I've come across is this one. It's the, this example of the bridge. And if we pull up the first one, there's people on one side, that's you and me, and there's God on the other side. Now before creation, sorry, at creation, there was a connection, right? But sin created this great barrier, this, this chasm between us and God that no matter what we do, no matter the, the, the great effort that you and I make, nothing, none of our good works can get us from us to God. All of our good works... No matter how nice a person is, no matter how much money you give to charity or to the church, you cannot get across to God. So we see this arrow, people trying to get to God, trying to understand God, but actually even their good works, it doesn't work, does it? Come on, we've, we've, hopefully we've understood this at some point in our life. No matter how good you are, it isn't good enough. Why? Because God is a holy God. He's a righteous God. He's a perfect God. He's a God that demands holiness on our part, but we can't do it. Why? Because each one of us, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have fallen, have fallen short. But God in His great mercy, in His story towards humanity, sent His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. And this is the, the climax of the story, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And we can walk across the bridge of Jesus. We can walk through the curtain of Christ and come into the presence of God. The connection has been made. It's the bridge. We were once far from God, alienated from Him. But because of the love of Jesus, we're now brought into relationship. That's the story of the entire Bible. If you want to know what this whole Bible is about, it's this story. You see it in Genesis, and you see it again in Revelation, and you read through the whole Bible, and this is the story that we need to know. If you don't know this story, you've got to get saved. Right? If you don't know this story, man, welcome to the club. This is a great story. It's an amazing story. And if we know, if we've come to faith, man, this should be a story that is so embedded in our heart. It's something part of our DNA. Where's your family line? Well, it's this story. It's a great story. We're all winners in this story. This is the story we need to tell. Christ came. To be our bridge, that whoever makes a decision to follow Him can cross over and be with God forever. In John 5.24, it says, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes in Him 
who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. What a powerful message. What a powerful story that we have in Jesus. We need to know to tell it. We need to understand it. And in our videos we looked at this past week in Life Group, we, we saw this, this when Bill was asking his friend Dave, you know, if you were to put a, a, an X as to where you are in this story, he said, I'm not even on this page. I'm, I'm, on, I'm, I'm in another booth. I'm not even close to this story. And, and Bill understood at this point, actually this was going to be a bit of a journey. However, we tell God's story. We keep in mind the types of words that we're using. When we talk about God's story, man, we need to communicate it in a way that's healing. It, it's gentle. It's grace-filled. It's, it's humble. You, you and I aren't responsible for people's lives being transformed, but we are responsible to tell the story. If you've been saved, you've got a story. This is the story. You need to know the story. If you don't know the story, you better start reading your Bible and understanding the story. Because you need to know, how did I get from death to life? How did I get from point A to point? How did I get here? That's the story of the Word of God. Our role is to be opening our mouths when prompted. When the Spirit brings us in that point, And to give it a tender, thoughtful, clear, impassioned understanding of what God, what God or Christ has done for each one of us. That's story number one. Story number two is... Our story. You have a powerful story. And your job is also to tell that well. If you've come to a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, then you have a wonderful, redemptive story of what God has done in your life. What has God done in your life? If you've come to Jesus and nothing's changed, have you come to Jesus? Come on. If, if you've come to Jesus and fully put, fully put your faith in Him, something should have changed. Something should have happened in your life. You can't, I, I, I struggle with people saying, I came to Jesus and nothing happened. Did you come to Jesus? Or did you just come to an idea about Jesus? Because I believe and I've experienced in my life, when I gave my life fully to Him and entrusted my life fully to Him, I started a journey that's changed me. And I hope Jesus has changed you as well. And it's a story that we need to tell. When we look at, at the Bible, again in the Gospels, we have John 9, we have Jesus heals this man who is born blind and he spits on the ground and he, he puts the mud in his eyes. And the, the, the problem is that day that, that Jesus heals them is a Sabbath. Jesus seemed to always heal people on the Sabbath. A little bit of a funny thing, isn't it? He always seems to heal people on the Sabbath. And then uh, he, he's questioned by, by those in the, in the, in the, the, the religious leaders, and he's questioned kind of all about it. Why did it happen? Who did it? And this is what the guy says. One thing I know. One thing I know. I'm not going to get too spiritual, too theological. I know one thing about my story. I was blind, and now I see. I was blind, and now I see. It's a two-point story. So let's go over it again. I was blind, and now I see. And so, it's not complicated. And in fact, they ask him more than once to come in. He's like, I was blind. What is it that you don't understand about my story? You see, for all of us, we have these stories. I mean, in the Bible, we have these very dramatic uh, encounters where people come to Jesus and there's a, this true kind of craziness that happens. And then we have kind of 
you know, people just, it's non-dramatic. There are people that they follow Jesus and we don't see this clear picture. However, every person who comes to Jesus has a story. How about the person, the leper who was healed in Luke 5? I was sick, but now I'm well. I was diseased, but now I'm healthy. I was an outcast, but now I'm accepted. I was defiled and tainted, but now I'm as good as new. I was left for dead, but now I have a future. You know, you could put your story in any sorts of, of words. Hopefully you have a before and you have an after Jesus. Now again, I understand some of you may have grown up in the church and, you know, I don't, maybe at two years old I had a real problem, but at three I gave my life to Jesus. I don't know what I was like before. I do know this. I grew up in the church and I don't, I, I can't say, man, I was in drugs and I, I was in a gang and I had a, I was part of, you know, the Hells Angels motorcycle club. I, I didn't, I can't have a story like that because it's not true. I did go to church. I grew up on the first pew of the church. I, I, I lived in the church as a kid. My mom and dad were in leadership and I, man, I was always at church. But I do know this. In my teenage years, I gave my life to Jesus fully. And something shifted in my heart. And that which I was starting to pursue on my own in my 16, 17 year old age, something changed in me. I know what it's like to surrender my life to Jesus. Although I grew up in the church, I still have a story to tell. You might have grown up in the church. You still have a story to tell. When we tell our story, what were you like before you came to Christ? Do you remember that far back? Some of you grew up in the church or maybe you got saved as a young person. You're older now. What was your life like before you came to Christ? What experiences was, was it like putting your faith into Jesus? What were you like after that decision? Again, here are some examples. I was a someone who really, I was striving. But, but actually now there's, I'm at peace. I was self-destructive. There are slides that kind of go with these points. So going back before, here we go. First one I said, it was striving. Yeah. <laughs> and now I'm at peace. There we go. I was self-destructive. But now I'm healthy. Hey, I was guilty, but now I'm li liberated. I, I was fear stricken, but now I'm confident. I was despairing, but now there's, there's a, there was a hopefulness that came. It doesn't have to be more complicated than this. It just has to be simple. It needs to be humble. And most of all, it needs to be true. It needs to be true. Why did you believe in Jesus Christ? Why are you so committed to following his ways? It should be easy to tell in an effective before and after faith story. Again, the faith story for you and for me can be very different as to what our lives look like before Christ, what Christ has done in our lives. But you know what? People need to know it. You think, well, that happened a long time ago, but still people need to know it. Why do you believe what you believe? What has Jesus done for you? Well, I was blind. But now I see. My life was like this. But now it's like this. This is what Jesus has done for me. What has Jesus done for you? Now for these stories to be powerful. We have to be careful that they don't derail on these four things. Okay? Stories can derail when they're weird. Do you know what I mean by weird stories? Weird God stories that people can't relate. They have no idea what... I saw angel, I saw dust, I saw... You know, people need to understand what on earth you're talking about. I've 
You know, at Believer's Church, just bear with me with that thought. Will someone who is far from Jesus understand what you're on about? Will they, will they be able to articulate what it is you're trying to say? Again, you're taking someone across this journey that you've been on. Make it simple. Don't tell weird stories. Tell true stories of what God has done in language and in the way that people understand. Second thing is, when we just don't... We're long-windedness. Yeah, I was going to say we just don't shut up. But long-winded. Sometimes people might ask a story. They ask, why do you believe what you believe? And then they regret asking that question. Two hours later, you've unpackaged so much stuff of your life. They're like, I just wanted like a two-minute answer. Sometimes we need to be very aware and very perceptive. Is our, when they start yawning, looking at their watch, checking their Facebook on their phone, and you're still talking, you need to stop, okay? <laughs> true story. This person wasn't an unbeliever, but true story nonetheless. I was talking to a guy over coffee. I was talking. And he started falling asleep. We were in a cafe. I thought, what's going on? You fall asleep and I'm talking to you. And he just drank a coffee. I thought, oh God, help me be more exciting in my, my discipleship. I'm putting some guy to sleep. He was, you know, 10 years younger than me and he's falling asleep while I'm talking to him. Anyways, point to me as well. Don't go on and on and on. Thirdly, um, actually there's five points, not three points, five points. Third one is when you, when you tell your story, make sure it's not fuzzy. And fuzziness, I mean this, is that you start to get really confused about the details of your life. When I was five, I did this, and then I was six, and no, actually when I was four, this happened, no, actually this happened when I, oh, and actually when I backtracked, and, I, and this happened, and no, actually, no, and it didn't happen in that order, it happened in this order, and I, I don't, did it happen, no, it didn't happen that way, and people are like, I don't even know what you're on about anymore. <laughs> hey! When does Jesus come into the story? Because you're really confusing right now. It's really, really confusing. Fourthly, is when we share our faith story, don't start using four-syllable church language that makes no sense to someone who's not in the church. In fact, I have a little video of what this could be like. Okay, so hopefully this works. This is our first video. Don't do this, by the way. Thou shalt also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord, a royal diadem in the hand of God. Thou shalt no longer be termed forsaken. Okay. That is not to do. That, that's what we're not doing, okay? Thou shalt, whatever. Okay, so we, we want to be careful not to use church lingo that people... They have no idea what it is that we're referring to. And the very last one is this one, is when we're sharing our faith story, is to not use the superiority card. And again, I've got one more video of what not to do with this one, okay? So let's watch. I pray all the time now. I pray for friends like you, you know, whose, whose lives are going nowhere. I pray for understanding that God will help me know What's wrong with people so that, you know, I can be a lifesaver for them? <laughs> it, it's funny because it's almost true sometimes. We can sometimes say it without thinking about what we're saying. 
<laughs> I pray for people whose lives are going nowhere, like you. <laughs> we don't want to do that, do we? Your story needs to be told. It, it needs to be shared in truth and authenticity and in this way that people can relate to it. But it's important that we tell our story. It's important that we know God's story. And it's important that we know where our story fits into God's story. That actually Jesus came to save the lost and I was lost. Jesus came to set the, the captive free and I was captive, but now I'm free. Jesus came to do all those things. And this is what God has done in my life. And it's not weird. It's not strange. It's not long-winded. In fact, it's very to the point. This is what I was like. Before I knew Jesus, and this is what I'm like now that I've given my life to Jesus. And this is what God continues to do in my life today. Now, can I just say, all of us in this room would say, would attest to the fact, just because we gave our life to Jesus doesn't mean we're perfect. Doesn't mean that we don't still have flaws or areas that we're working on. Doesn't mean that, you know, we still don't have these struggles that we face from day to day. But it does mean people are seeing our lives and they see the the authenticity that we are. They see the humility that we walk in. Hopefully they see the love that we, that we, we show towards them. And that, that is something that they can connect to. People understand, hopefully, that you're still on a journey. And especially if you communicate it with that humility. I'm still on a journey. Even Paul said, I, not that I've obtained all of this already, but I keep stretching forward. That's what we're, we're not here to be the perfect people to reach the unsaved people whose lives are going nowhere. No, we're here to say, look, I was blind, but now I see. And you can see as well, because I, I found the guy who does it. This week, our challenge is this. Is to write out your testimony in 100 words or less. It shouldn't be an autobiography that's 500 pages or more. It should be 100 words or less that you've got well imprinted in your head. And what we're going to do is this. You've actually got two weeks to work on it. Because in our life groups next week, we are going to share our hundred word testimonies with our life group. Yes? Oh. <laughs> no, we're going to share our hundred word testimony with our life group. So you know what that means? You know what that means? Is that when you're sharing your testimony in your life group, it shouldn't take 20 minutes to hear it. Because a hundred words, unless you're speaking really slow should actually only take us a couple minutes. Boom, 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 boom. This is what Jesus has done. On to the next person. And maybe we'll even have some of those testimonies here on a Sunday. Yeah? But they need to be a hundred words. Or less. Remember, keep it brief, be humble, and make it easy to understand and be real. We have a powerful story to tell. Let's be ready to give it when God gives us opportunity to do so. That's our challenge. The stories that we have. To share them with the people around us. Are you with me, church? What is your story? What has God done in your life? I want us to think about it this week. I want us to pen it out. I want us to put it on paper. What has God done in our lives? And then I want us to get into the practice of sharing it when the opportunities arise. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.